This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Four minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, October 26th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, we have a devotion to the guardian angels and we should always pray to our guardian angel and ask him for help. So take a moment and pray to your guardian angel today. I want to begin by reminding you also that in the upcoming month of November, we remember the holy souls in purgatory, our family and friends who have passed from this earthly life. Join us here on Relevant Radio November 2nd through the 10th as we pray a special novena for your departed loved ones during daily mass at noon central, the chapel of divine mercy with Drew Mariani at 3 p.m. central, and the family rosary across America with Father Rocky at 7 p.m. Central. All you have to do is go to relevantradio.com slash souls to submit your list of all your departed loved ones who need your prayers. Now, we start uh, every show and every hour giving thanks to the Lord for the many blessings that we receive through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit here on this show when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Coming up momentarily, we'll be joined by Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life, who will have an update on the latest fall international campaign. Later at the bottom of the hour, you'll meet Sister Maria of the Trinity, the founder of the Gospel of Life Disciples and Dwellings, who will share with us how her order is caring for the elderly. Plus, we'll also bring you another episode of Glenn's Story Corner, all that and much more coming up here this hour on Morning Air. As we do every day, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Matthew 9:38. Jesus the Lord says, "The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Our Lord Jesus is calling you to a specific mission. We all have a unique role in building up the kingdom of God. In the words of St. John Henry Newman, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may know, never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. Powerful words uh, from St. John Henry Newman. We always pray with great 
confidence. Jesus, I trust in you. Again, our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. Now, during this Respect Life Month of October that's winding down, there have been many prayer campaigns and pro-life events going on across our nation. In fact, 40 Days for Life has been saving many babies from abortion during its current campaign that ends on October 31st. Since September 22nd, when it began, 40 Days for Life has reported at least 487 lives saved from abortion. And I'm sure that those numbers will continue to grow and grow by the end of the campaign. Now joining us is Sean Carney, the president and CEO of 40 Days for Life. He's also the co-founder at 40daysforlife.com, the world's largest grassroots movement to end abortion, which has saved over 19,518 unborn babies from abortion since 2007. Sean uh, also has been executive producer of several Several award-winning pro-life documentaries. He's co-authored the number one top-rated Christian book, 40 Days for Life, Discover What God Has Done, Imagine What He Can Do. He's also wrote other best-selling books. Sean lives in Texas with his wife and eight children. Good morning, Sean. Welcome back to Morning Air. Always great to be with you. Good morning, John. Good to be back. Thank you. We have a lot to talk about this morning, uh, Sean. Um, uh, abortion continues to be in the news. It seems every day there's something going on uh, these days. Before we talk about the great success of 40 Days for Life and their, uh, their current fall campaign, what are your thoughts uh, on the Supreme Court agreeing to hear the, the two challenges to the Texas heartbeat law? Uh, I think it's good overall because they did not uh, take it up immediately. Um, they, they, they left the law in place. They could have uh, suspended the law and waited uh, for them to hear the case. They didn't do that. Uh, they, they let the law stand. Every day, by the way, this, this Heartbeat Act is in place. It is just killing the bottom line of the abortion industry uh, here in Texas where I live. And so this just further delays it. Um, uh, uh, you know, weeks, maybe months, because they'll now hear the case, I believe, uh, the first week of November, November 1st, All Saints Day. Um, and then they will announce uh, the decision uh, weeks. It could be months later, probably will be months because they have so many different cases. So uh, I think it's good. Um, I'm uh, prayerfully optimistic that they'll uphold the law, but the Supreme Court, we just don't know what some of these justices are going to do. Um, presidents do their best to vet them and put them on, but we know that they don't always do what we were hoping and praying they're going to do. So uh, we definitely need to be praying for that. Uh, overall, I think the decision to take up the case to keep the law for now uh, is is a good one. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm encouraged and, and frankly surprised that it's it's still law here in Texas. It's, it's made it pretty far. And uh, this law took the abortion industry by surprise, and it's showing. Well, not only is uh, the bottom line being affected every day there in the state of Texas, uh, but also babies are being saved every single day. Uh, somewhere between 50 to 100 babies have been saved in your state in Texas uh, since the law went into effect. Uh, so uh, that's been a, a great plus, but there's also been great resistance from the pro-abortion side. There has been, and, and you know, that's that's what that industry means. You know, when their, when their bottom line is hurt, it means children are allowed to live. You know, <laughs> there's just simply nothing else like it. And, um, 
And, and you know, this goes into the – no matter what the Supreme Court does, um, this, this goes into the whole notion that we do want to make abortion unthinkable. And when you aren't allowed to do abortions for so long, they just don't have the cash to sustain that for months. That's just a fact, and that's why abortion facilities are closing in record numbers. But I think we're going to see more of them close in Texas where abortion could very well easily be legal and you know promoted by many people but simply unavailable uh, just from a market standpoint. And so it just shows the efforts in the grassroots go a very, very long way despite us having the most pro-abortion government in U.S. history. Sean, how is uh, 40 Days for Life uh, gearing up and preparing uh, for uh, the Supreme Court taking on uh, the Dobbs case uh, on the 1st of December uh, that potentially could overturn Roe v. Wade? Uh, What are you guys doing behind the scenes? Well, behind the scenes, we're we're doing a lot. We're we're, uh, about to announce it, but I'll tell you, we'll be doing a nationwide 48-hour vigil during the time that the Supreme Court hears uh, the Dobbs case, which is December 1st. And so we've never done this before, um, where we've, we've called on everybody across the country who's led a 40 Days for Life campaign to do kind of a mini uh, two-day vigil. Uh, but this, in, in times such as these, we're, we're, we're definitely doing it. So we also have a number of, of new programs we're going to be launching in the next uh, month. Uh, things that have been requested for years, new training programs for local volunteers, uh, more in-depth training for local leaders. And so uh, we continue to grow. We're, we're keeping up uh, you know, with that growth. But all of the insanity that we see in the culture has really benefited the pro-life and has certainly benefited 40 Days for Life. I mean, people that said, I'm pro-life, but I've really never done anything, they're jumping into the movement. They're participating they're going out to vigils to pray, and we just see our numbers skyrocketing uh, with the amount of people participating in 40 Days for Life. And that's what it's designed to do is to give, you know, we're not helpless. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court does. What can I do today uh, to help save a life? And that's why we see so many people responding to that as we're in this era of, of infanticide. And, and there's so many different attacks on, on natural and divine law that it's causing people to take a step of action. Well, Sean, on a regular basis, uh, I try to keep tabs on all the many babies uh, that 40 Days for Life has been saving here during this fall campaign from the very first one uh, to the most recent reporting as of this morning. And those numbers probably will be changing by this afternoon. But uh, as of the last time I checked, it was about 487 babies saved uh, from abortion here in the fall campaign. Can you give us an update on how things have been going here in this fall campaign for 40 Days for life. Well, the the we track our our statistics pretty closely, and those babies saved are the confirmed ones, right? Those aren't the ones that the the mom just turns around and we don't even know she she ever went. Um, so our numbers are very conservative, and I know uh, very soon we will be passing the twenty thousandth baby a safe total from forty days for life. So we're we're very excited about that. Uh, we'll be sending out a video showing uh, everybody, many of those babies and children, you know, over the years who have been saved from abortion. Um, but it's important that we celebrate those milestones uh, to motivate us to, to continue to go out and, and to continue to just trust God with the results. We're not entitled to 
to see or meet one baby that's saved from abortion. We're, we're just supposed to be faithful. Uh, but, but it's so wonderful when you do get those opportunities and, and those milestones. So, uh, we're coming up on 20,000. Uh, babies uh, saved from abortion, and we're very, very excited about it. That is so exciting. Can you imagine the, the first babies you guys uh, uh, saved uh, have to be teenagers by now? We're talking, you know, 14-plus yeah, years old. Yeah, no, we've been, I've, I've met one of them. You know, I met a, a junior in high school who was saved in 2004 at the first ever 40 Days for Life in, in College Station, Texas. And, and uh, the, you know, that's different. You know, I've, I've fortunately been blessed to hold a lot of babies and see a lot of babies and gotten pictures of t-ball games and birthday parties and first communion pictures. Uh, you know, but when you're standing in front of a, you know, a, a young man who's, who's 16 years old, uh, whose mom went in for an abortion, it's, uh, th- th- it, it shows the grave evil uh, of, of what we've done in our country and that we have aborted generations now. And, and, um, and so it's, it's such a sign of hope when you, uh, when you get to meet those, those children who, who were spared at the very last moment and, and are not a statistic. Our guest this morning, Sean Carney, the president and co-founder of 40 Days for Life. We're talking about uh, the current uh, 40 Days for Life campaign, the many successes that 40 Days for Life has had. Uh, Sean, um, everything we're talking about here, all these babies, these teenagers that are that you can actually see uh, today that have been saved from abortion, this is really a testament to the power of prayer and fasting to be able to save lives, which is what you guys do. Can you talk about that power of prayer and fasting? that has has done amazing work uh, through the Lord's help. Absolutely. And it's something that every saint is consistent on, which is the contemplative has to come before the active. And if we run out the door to change the world because we're so mad because we've watched too much news, uh, we're just not going to make it. Uh, We're not going to make it. We're going to get burned out. Uh, we're going to get mad or frustrated, but we, we have to go to our Lord first. We have to have a, a prayer life and an interior life to give us the disposition to stand up to a, a secular, hostile, anti-Catholic culture. I mean, that's what we're dealing with probably more now than ever. Um, and and so we have to be praying. We have to be fasting, and that's why in that sense, 40 Days for Life is, is nothing special. It, it's a call back to to basics and and yet it's it's not hidden it is on the front lines of the front lines and it will you're going to make a dent in the culture for sure uh when you participate and and we've seen that and and we haven't seen it in you know just people driving by and being mad that we're out there but we've seen it in abortion workers who who reflect on what they're doing and have a conversion you know um abby johnson spoke to our our leaders this last summer and she said you know, people's lives are changed. My life was changed because of, of, of people going out there. You know, this is, this has eternal consequences. Um, and, and that, that's what we need to trust. That's what we need to trust that there are eternal consequences. This is not another issue among other issues where we're divided, uh, quite different than that. It, it is the, uh, it is the issue of all issues and all generations until it ends because it tells us what it means to be human, what it means to be an American, what it means to be free, and, and it's the greatest human rights battle of, of our lifetime.
Uh, Sean, you guys uh, send out uh, emails with uh, these uplifting stories of what's going on on the ground uh, during the campaigns. Can you share just a few that come to mind uh, of, uh, of people, of women that have turned away uh, from Planned Parenthood and have chosen life? Yes, and uh, since you're a, a sports guy, I'll, I'll use an analogy where a guy like went four for four, you know, and especially since the World Series is starting today. But, but this is – I've actually never seen this, but we, we had a report of a gentleman who went out to pray, and during his time, he personally helped save six babies in one morning. Wow. I, I've never seen that before. Uh, it, it was like – He went six for six. Famous. That's a big he day. Six for six. I mean, the, all these women came at the same time for abortions, and, and he it was just unbelievable. They all chose life. So that was a beautiful story we sent out this week. The other one was early in the campaign, and this is, this is rare. We get a lot of reports of twins being saved, and that's, that's exciting every, every campaign. Uh, but we had triplets saved in Cleveland, Ohio, the first week of the campaign, and the woman was so grateful as she was leaving, because it, it hit her when she when she realized she had triplets, um, you know, something went off where she, she's like, I can't abort three children. And she left and she told our local leader, Fred, give me your name because I'm naming one of these babies after you. Wow. Wow. And, uh, That's unbelievable. So at, at that, it's been it's been so great. And, you know, we there's so many things going on in our culture. And, and one of the reasons I, I wanted to say this earlier, that, that I believe we've seen so many people respond to 40 Days for Life and sort of come into our world through becoming a volunteer or, or listening to the podcast or whatever they do, is because we just have a lot of good news in, in the midst of bad news. And, and it's not going to be, you know, in the national media a lot, but, but there is a lot of good going on. And, and you know, the, the news is not the world. Um, people do have hearts, they do have minds, they do have souls, and every negative news story you hear is, is not, does not necessarily reflect your neighbor. Um, so it's, it's, it's great to see these, these beautiful stories, and, and we have gut-wrenching stories, but we have a lot of good news, and, and I think that that's just a result of of the Holy Spirit using our, our small efforts. Sean, uh, those two stories that you just shared with us, you're not going to hear that in the mainstream media. They just will never, ever report those kinds of, of good stories. Uh, you're also not going to hear about the fact that the presence of 40 Days for Life uh, vigil campaigns is bad news for the abortion industry's bottom line, uh, with uh, over 114 abortion facilities closing their doors uh, after a 40 Days for Life campaign. You, you do not hear that in the mainstream media no and, and it needs to be said and, and I, i've said it a lot but i mean you know behind the scenes planned parenthood's a, a disaster right now uh they've been through uh three ceos in five years the one they have now is just incompetent on on every level and and you know they're losing supporters um they have closed 32 percent of their locations over the last decade that's with obama trump and biden I mean, they, they're just losing in the grassroots. In the pro-life movement, that's our strength, is the grassroots. We have things like 40 Days for Life. We have pregnancy resource centers that outnumber abortion providers five to one. And, and that's why you see this scrambling, you know, and, and even with the Texas law, I mean, they're just so late on some of these things that they just wouldn't have been 10 years ago. And so they're, uh, they have relied, they're very top-heavy 
and they're very weak at the grassroots. They put their money into politics and lawyers and marketing, and that usually works out well for them. But there's a huge disconnect with the corporate side of Planned Parenthood and with the people who are actually running their clinics. And we're seeing that played out in the grassroots for sure. And Sean, the fact that uh, Planned Parenthood is being exposed is just one of, of the many reasons that the tide is turning towards the culture of life. Uh, would you agree that life is winning in America and the other side can feel the pressure? Yes, I, I would definitely say that. And it's not wishful thinking. It's, it's a mathematical fact, particularly since we've had abortions legalized for 50 years and it just hasn't gone away like it has in, in parts of Europe. Um, and I would take it a step further, John, and say, I believe it's the only cultural front we're winning right now. Uh, I think that, that the abortion issue is where uh, we're winning. The family has, has taken such a beating in, in our country and in the West the last 40 or 50 years. Um, but we are winning the battle for life. And it's something we need to be grateful for. But it, it's also something that we, we actually need to win. Abortion needs to end in America. And as Mother Teresa said, if abortion ends in America, the world will follow. And so, you know, we need to uh, we need to keep going. We need to put all of our hope in our Lord and and we need to to trust that, you know, this too shall pass. All of these other issues, all of the, the attacks on gender and marriage and in these sort of creative ways we're trying to reject God these days, um, th- this will pass. And, and the greatest witness we can give to life is is as Pope John Paul said, how we treat our our most vulnerable, especially the unborn. So we've got to keep going. Sean, uh, one other uh, reason that I think is a reason for hope is the young people. And I know you talked about this uh, over the years, this pro-life generation. How encouraged are you uh, with the young people? I just went to a march here in the Chicago area just last weekend, and there were hundreds and hundreds of young kids with balloons. Uh, They were enthusiastic. They were fired up uh, to defend life. And uh, I see that uh, as the present and the future of the movement. Yeah, young people are pro-life. You know, they some people the last 20 years grew up with their their kid or their grandkids ultrasound on the fridge, but all the kids these days uh, did, and they have an ultrasound of themselves. And so there was even an article in the New York Times during the election that said uh, Trump drives young people away from Republican Party, but abortion brings them back. And it was a fascinating article, which I would hardly ever say about the New York Times. And, and it just highlighted from a secular standpoint how young people, they could, be, they could be liberal on everything else, but they're almost always pro-life. And that's a, that's a good sign. Some of them believe in a lot of weird other, other things, but, um, but they're pro-life, and, 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 that, and it's, it's a substantive stance. And so, um, but as far as the pro-life movement, I mean, you go to the March for Life, I'll be 40 next year, and I feel old at the March for Life, and that's a good thing. Because there's a lot of high school kids, there's a lot of college kids, there's, you know, a million strollers and um, double strollers. And uh, it, it's beautiful to see. And that's why the president of NARAL, back in 2010, she was in town for the March for Life. She had never been in D.C. the day of the March for Life. And she, her, her mouth hit the floor. And she told Newsweek that uh, all she could say out loud was, they're all so young. And she ended up resigning over over just her inability to get young people to support abortion. So we are winning uh, the, the youth and we're winning the battle for life for sure. 
Life is winning in America. Sean, uh, always uh, great to be with you. Where can our listeners um, get involved with this upcoming uh, nationwide uh, 48-hour vigil that, that you mentioned? Well, that, uh, the easiest way is to, to listen to our weekly podcast. We'll be promoting it on the, on the podcast. We release it every uh, Tuesday. Also, join our email list at 40 Days for Life. Uh, dot com and you'll get uh, you'll get reports of babies saved. You'll get uh, updates on everything that we're doing for the Supreme Court, including the nationwide vigil, including a vigil in front of the Supreme Court during the case. So we'll have a lot going on and a lot of opportunities for folks to to get involved. Great stuff on the emails, uh, 40daysforlife.com. I'm plugged in. Uh, I love hearing the stories. Sean, thanks again for being with us. Thank you, John. Keep up the great work. Thank you, brother. Sean Carney, the president and CEO and co-founder of 40 Days for Life. We're going to take a short break. When Morning Air continues, Sister Maria of the Trinity, the founder of the Gospel of Life Disciples and Dwellings, will be with us to talk about all the great work uh, that her new order is doing to care for the elderly. Stay with us. There's much more to come on this edition of Morning Air on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Morning life. Good morning, sun. How are you? Skies above. Gee, it's great to be alive and in love. You gotta love it. 31 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our number, if you want to be part of the program, 888-914-9149. Now, to be authentically pro-life means to respect and protect life from the first moment of conception to the end of natural life, from womb to tomb. Now, I want you to meet Sister Maria of the Trinity, a sister who left France to create special homes for the elderly poor in the U.S. by founding the Gospel of Life Disciples and dwellings, which helps elderly people in their late stages of life. She founded Gold in 2013 with permission from the Holy See and under the authority of Archbishop Paul Coakley of Oklahoma City. Sister Maria was blessed to grow up in Minnesota in a faithful Catholic family. She attended the University of Dallas, graduated with a degree in philosophy. She later received a BSN from the University of San Francisco and studied at the St. Ignatius Institute there. Sister Maria is a registered nurse and an interdisciplinary certification from the University of Paris in palliative care and accompaniment. Good morning, Sister Maria. Welcome to Morning Air. Thank you for joining us. It is a joy to be with you for the first time. Well, thank you. Good morning, John, and blessings to you, and thank you for your radio ministry to bring Jesus and his love uh, to all of us throughout the country and beyond. Thank you so much. Uh, Sister Maria, first of all, uh, tell us uh, about your journey as a sister. When did you first hear the call uh, from the Lord uh, to a religious life? Well, I, uh, my name could be Joan, and I'd be in the belly of a whale because I resisted. <laughs> I, I really just was blessed to see the beauty of the sacrament of marriage and grew up in a family that um, prayed together and has stayed together. And so I just always imagined myself um, married and with lots of kids, and what a blessing that is. We, we, I, I discovered what um, relationship and family can be, and then through a wonderful Catholic education just thought naturally that would be my call. And so when I felt the tug on my heart to um, 
give myself completely to the Lord in consecrated life, I, I resisted. I'll, I'll be honest with you. So I did a year volunteer work thing. If I went to Europe and Africa, you know, I could do my time and give them a year and be done and, and go far enough away anyone would find me. And it, it, it all ended well because um, I really did have the grace to surrender and discover just the joy and the beauty of being the bride of Christ and um, just living a, a life that I didn't think would be mine, although I had great respect for the religious I had met. Um, so I, I hadn't planned on it. I thought my younger sister would make a great nun and kind of try to talk God into that or my good friend Teresa, who was open to it and discerning with the missionaries of charity in Haiti. And so I tried to talk him out of it, and um, he he wooed me into it, and I don't regret it for a moment. It's been a beautiful journey. Um, Sister Maria, there's so many different options uh, for a, a young woman, uh, different orders to go into. Uh, how did uh, you end up with the Little Sisters of the Poor originally? Well, that that certainly was by God's design, and but I think He prepped my heart for that when I was in high school, and I was active in athletics and social life and academics. And but my grandparents um, came to live with us, um, my dad's parents, and I saw both the challenge and the beauty and the joy of them being integrated into our family life. Um, and sometimes, you know, I didn't go out with my friends in high school because I was staying home to help with my grandparents. And and so it was both sacrificial and a huge blessing. And I think the Lord prepped the terrain in that way, sort of was turning the earth and planting some good seed. And so later, um, I offered to do your volunteer work with the Little Sisters of the Poor and just discovered so much about living and being with these elders at the end of their life and through their dying and the Lord used that, and I honestly thought I would die a happy little sister of the poor, and I certainly continue to be a daughter of St. John Jugon in my heart and, and respect and esteem um, that community and the work. Within that, um, after about 25 years, I never imagined it, but I received a very distinct call within my call um, to begin this Gospel of Life um, mission the Gospel Life Disciples and Dwellings. So that's just been the past um, 10 years. And we started the first Gospel Life Dwelling in, in 2013, as you said, eight years ago. Sister uh, Maria, and all that time that you spent with the Little Sisters of the Poor, the Lord was preparing you for 25 years, getting you ready for your own um, order. Uh, what did you learn the most during that period uh, with the Little Sisters? And full disclosure, my mom lives at the Little Sisters of the Poor in Lincoln Park in Chicago, so I'm extremely Beautiful. familiar with the great, fantastic right. work that the Little Sisters do. true. It's true. I and and I'll let my disclosure is my mother does too. Oh, there you <laughs> go. So I um this certainly honestly, John, this this was nothing about not wanting to be with the little sisters of the poor. I, I was in France at the time, kind of unaware uh, after ten years there, kind of of the climate in the United States and it was the beginning of the Affordable Care Act and under quote-unquote Obamacare, but what was happening with rationing, and um, I, I just applaud the Little Sisters for taking on the um, contraceptive mandate, and they were asked to do it in a more institutional way, and I really believe the Lord just asked me to do an end run around that and have small family homes that are not dependent upon government funding, 
and we just live like a family. We take people in um, with volunteer help and simply on donations, and we are not regulated. So they're not licensed facilities, um, the Gospel of Life dwellings. And unbeknownst to me, as God was creating this stirring in my heart to be like the stay-at-home mom with her children, um, was really what it, what it, how it became, really, and how it sort of evolved. Um, I, I was very surprised and struggled with it and also discerned it, um, was very open about it with my superiors and received the, the blessing of our mother general at the time and permission um, from, from Rome. I mean, this was, this was a big deal for me, and I, I just felt like, unbeknownst to me, God was asking for this for a time such as this. And I had to just eventually say, yes, Lord, I'll try it. And I was almost hoping not to get permission from Rome, <laughs> you know, that I could go back and continue with what was known and familiar. But I believe all those years with the little sister of the poor were, I mean, they are absolutely critical to this mission. The distinctive part would be that it's going back to kind of how Jean Jugon started and bringing in the first elderly woman into her home in uh, France in a little apartment on the northwest coast of France. And I, I learned the patient perseverance and the beauty of humble, hidden acts of charity and kindness, and then that great beauty of being at the, 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 the bedside of someone who's dying. And so we've just kind of encapsulated that in taking care of people that are old, yes, but also particularly closest to the end of their life. So we've also, in the Gospel Life Disciples of Dwelling, found there's a huge gap, um, particularly amongst some of the homeless population, um, those that without family or finances at all, that are younger in years, but older in their body and spirit because um, they are close to dying. And so they may not be... So we have people that are 99 and 100, but we also have others that are, right now we have a gentleman who's 58, and he's, I consider that young, especially as I get closer to that age, um, that d doesn't have anyone. He's, I think, a hero for our faith. He left Vietnam under the communist regime and came to the United States and worked hard and now has stage four metastatic cancer and no family here in the United States at all. And he was able to reconnect with his Catholic roots and really is teaching us as he comes very close to dying in um, these next few days, I, as God would have it in, in, in his wisdom and love, call this gentleman home. So we're really there for that, that last stretch of the journey in this life to help them um, encounter Jesus and discover their, their call to um, eternal life. So it's really um, a small work in terms of the number of people and the time with which we are together. It's given them a taste of family and to um, be with them on the, the last leg of this earthly pilgrimage. And so we've had a varied number of people of backgrounds and ages. So it's really just accompanying with pro-life, life-affirming care, the end of, of this life's journey. Now it's in God's design how long that is chronologically. So I, I laugh because 
thank God we don't know and we shouldn't have control over that. And, and that's really what the Gospel of Life Dwellings are meant to provide an option for others that may find their lives hastened or shortened elsewhere because of our culture of death and kind of the throwaway culture. So whether it be due to age or illness, um, those that are vulnerable and at risk are the ones that we um, seek to welcome and accompany. Well, Sister Maria, it's it's a joy uh, to be with you. You're doing incredible work. You're doing God's work. And uh, we want to continue uh, to hear more about uh, all of the great way that you are helping the elderly. Uh, we need to take a short break. Um, and uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Sister Maria of the Trinity, the founder of the Gospel of Life Disciples. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air, on Relevant Radio, and the Relevant Radio app. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. Coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 45 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us this morning as we continue our conversation with Sister Maria of the Trinity, the founder of the Gospel of Life Disciples and Dwellings. If you have a question for Sister Maria, if you've ever considered uh, that perhaps the Lord might be calling you uh, to work with the elderly, if you've been thinking about it, perhaps perhaps a vocation uh, to uh, do this type of work, uh, give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Uh, Sister Maria, welcome back. Thank you, John. Thank I, you. I was thinking, you know, just last Friday we celebrated the, the feast of St. John Paul II, John Paul right. the Great, the author of Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life. How much of a role did St. John Paul II play in the work that you're doing now? Well, just uh, monumental. Uh, in college at the University of Dallas, we had a semester in Rome, and I really believe that John was where the faith that I've been beautifully given by my parents, but met with some rebellion as probably some quite a few teenagers. And I, I just encountered the holiness of this man um, when we were at the audience. Um, and I think his, his thought, his life, his prayer, his leadership really was formative in my own um, growth and making the faith part of who I am and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to live. Um, so really, by God's grace, St. Pope John Paul II was um, immensely uh, formative in my life and is very formative in the life of what we seek to live in, in the Gospel of Life, Disciples and Dwellings, and certainly Evangelium Vitae is uh, foundational to that. And I, I just am so proud of the Catholic Church for its inherent and consistent life ethic, and that is what... Um, be very humbly but persistently um, and patiently try and live the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy, um, upholding that um, view of the church and that St. John Paul II put forth so so beautifully and strongly. And um, also just his own witness of um, every life is worth living and every life matters until the end, even in his own um, Parkinson's and um vulnerability and weakness at the end of his physical life, but he he led us in wanting to go to the Father's house. That That's why our the, the dwelling I'm, I'm sitting in right now in the library is, is dedicated to Pope St. John Paul II, so certainly his feast day is, is a feast day for us, um, and his message is, is timeless and ever more needed, I believe, right now. 
and he's really continuing to inspire the young people that we have the, this new gospel of life school, which is um, probably would be termed a gap year for young people, but there's really nothing empty about it. It's a time of prayer and fellowship and formation and service. And so as I'm here talking with you, our Young Gospel Life School Missionary Disciples are still in chapel praying. Um, that's why I don't get to listen to the morning air show. We begin every day with the Holy Hour and then uh, the Divine Office, and then they are part of the, the care of these persons at the end of this life's journey. So John Paul too is part of our every day. You're dispensed, sister, from listening uh, to the show, but you can always <laughs> go back and listen on the app, on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure I even know how to use an app. I hate to say that, but I'm, I'm proudly um, ignorant, and I would I can send your listeners to our our website, but I don't know that it's up to date, and I don't do Facebook. But I think they're welcome to go look at that uh, at gospelbikedisciples.org, and um, so a new newsletter will be coming out. But I just I'll promise you our prayers, and I I just think St. John Paul II. We just watched a. a a theater production called Lolek on him the other night on his feast day. And, and that was very good. Or re watching the film on Carol, K-A-R-O-L. I, I, I believe there's so much that we can continue to learn from him. And he drew his young, strong, vigorous, athletic life and work with young people to his witness um, as he grew old and under the, you know, effects of time and illness with Parkinson's, what he has to teach us through who he is and what he said and what he lived and what he did is what he wrote is um, a gold mine, literally for us. Uh, Sister Maria, can you tell us uh, briefly about your Gospel of Life uh, Disciple dwellings uh, in Oklahoma and Texas? How would you describe sure. uh, uh, these uh, family-like places? Exactly. They literally are family homes. Um, uh, some are little and in a very poor part of town. Another one's large and in a, it's on an old dairy farm on 12 acres. So it's, it's a different setting, but they're both places where um, others are welcomed in family as brothers and sisters. And literally we live together. We eat around the same table. We share chores and share prayers. And then there's certainly that, that sacred time of when someone is, is weak and preparing for their, their call home to God. And, and we have a home in um, the, between Dallas and Fort Worth and the Diocese of Dallas in one that's just um, going to be beginning in Nashville. And we have a mission in Guatemala that um, the seeds were planted uh, in the past summer and last two years ago on a pilgrimage. And so we were letting this become sort of a replicable model so that wherever a life is um, threatened or in need um, due to age or illness um, and needing accompaniment at the end of this life's journey because of a lack of family or finances, we want to be there. It's, it's um, something that I believe God wants for, for this time that is ours. So we invite others to come and see and be part of the Gospel of Life School. Um, not all are discerning religious life. We have uh, certainly two that are in the seminary and one in the monastery that has done their Gospel of Life School time with us. Um, others that have professed about are, are at least in formation in another community. And we've got others that are living the sacrament of marriage and preparing for that um, while they're with us. 
So it's it's really meant to just foster holiness and give a place where our young people can be rooted in Christ and go out stronger to live wherever it is God's calling them. So there's there's no agenda there. There's it's not outright uh, anything uh, of recruiting, but it's just meant to be a place where they can put down their roots deep in Christ and live the challenge of sacrificial love already here and now in a missionary year and a and a time dedicated to discipleship. You do the work, but the Holy Spirit is always with you. And, uh, you know, people uh, are touched by what you're talking about, uh, Sister Maria. In fact, uh, there's a young lady that's uh, being inspired by our conversation in Miami, Florida. Uh, Raquel, welcome to Morning Air. Uh, You're on with Sister Maria of the Trinity. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Good morning, Sister Maria. Good morning, John. Um, My heart is totally open. I am so inspired. I have been, like you, uh, ignoring this call. Uh, I took the medical route. I have very common uh, uh, details, just like you. I took care of my grandparents growing up, but I went and I became a doctor instead. Um, Something like this would be a miracle here in Miami, Florida. How do I go about starting something like this, just like you? Well, you know what, maybe I'll I'll give you my phone number and maybe we can talk after the show. That's exactly what is happening in Nashville. There's a hospice nurse, a homeschool mom of 10 that is beginning the uh, gospel of life tolling there called Heart of Mary. And um, so my my phone number is 405-778-1107. And I just was in Florida for in Orlando for the Catholic Medical Association, and we just had our first Catholic Medical Association um, mass and the first guild meeting is happening here in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City uh, next week. So it's there's Catholic healthcare uh, professionals are coming together to live well the beauty of the teaching of the church, but also in a time that's very trying and challenging and we're trying to be um, canceled and discarded and we're not going to let that happen. We're going to um, live faithfully and fruitfully what God has called us to live. And so I'd be happy to um, speak with you and and, and encourage you in in that uh, direction. Raquel, if you could please stay on the line. Uh, My producer, Sarah, will make sure that you get the the contact information so we can uh, hook you up uh, with Sister Maria. Thank you so much, uh, Raquel. And and Sister Maria, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Uh, Perhaps a little miracle is happening right here on the air. Right. He he does it daily. I, you know, we, what we've done is just take this morning's um, office of readings antiphon from Psalm 37 is wait for the Lord to lead, then follow in his way. And that's what we've done. I, I didn't have any preconceived agenda. I just knew I need to keep surrendering to the Lord and saying yes, and um, that he uses that as a blessing for all of us when we when we trust him and follow him and, and strive for that holiness for which we're all made uh, to live in his love. And so um, maybe one of your one of your uh, listeners may be looking for something new. We are for the first time going to seek a, an executive director. Um, it needs to be somebody who's Catholic and, and firmly, passionately, uh, fruitfully pro-life and has some leadership and organizational skills and experience that would be helpful so that I can dedicate more time to direct care with the dying and also um, more time um, given to the contemplative um, side of consecrated life that uh, 
my heart yearns for and to, to build that. Um, they they can reach you at uh, um, gospelaflifedisciples.org right there on your website. Sure. I hope so. I don't know. I don't look at it, but it's Sister Maria at gospelaflifedisciples.org. Excellent. That's our Maria. Sister, mm-hmm. in the final minute that we have, uh, just a, a, a quick word uh, on the beauty of being able to have uh, daily Eucharistic adoration, having the sacraments, Holy Mass, even uh, praying the rosary, going to confession uh, for the folks that are staying uh, in your family uh, dwellings. Yes, it, it really is. And there's been many that um, we, we, we take people of all faiths or no faiths, so there's many that are not Catholic that um, we've cared for as they're dying, but as they're being born to eternal life, we see, we've seen some holy deaths of persons that um, never have been or in this world would be known to have been Catholic, but they received the beauty of the Catholic accompaniment and prayer, and I I think it's to God's glory and um, also very inspiring for us um, at this sacred time of the passage from this life to the next. Well, Sister Maria, the Trinity, you've inspired this reporter and our audience here this morning. Thank you so much for being with us uh, and sharing uh, the story of the Gospel of Life, Disciples and Dwellings. Well, thank you, John, for your ministry, and we'll remain united in prayer. Absolutely. Many blessings to you. Thank you, uh, Sister Maria. Thank you. And, and now it's time for another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today is called Compromise with a Bear. A hunter raised his rifle and took careful aim at a large bear. When he was about to pull the trigger, the bear spoke in a soft, soothing voice. Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? What do you want? Let's negotiate the matter. Lowering his rifle, the hunter replied, I want a fur coat. Good, said the bear. That is a negotiable question. I only want a full stomach, so let us negotiate a compromise. So they sat down to negotiate, and after a time, the bear walked away alone. The negotiations had been successful. The bear had a full stomach, and the hunter had his fur coat. Satan says to you, let us negotiate. But there are some things that cannot be negotiable. We cannot compromise the church with the world. Christ and his church deserve our very best and utmost loyalty. James 4.7 Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn, as always. uh, So much appreciated. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina will discuss what to do when you hear a bang on the door and you realize it's love who's calling as we continue uh, our Remember You Are Love series coming up here uh, shortly next hour. You're also going to meet Jim Coleman, the actor and the star of the one-man theatrical drama Tolton from Slay. Slave to Priest, a very powerful play about the venerable Augustus Tolton, the first African-American priest in the United States. Do not change that now. There's much more to come here on Morning Air next hour on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app.